If this is the kind of applause I get for not preaching, <laughs> we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read First Thessalonians, a couple of verses, and I'm going to call the team that went up onto the stage. And uh, there's some chairs over here underneath the projections of Farron and Yuri and Mom. You guys, you guys can come. You guys, you guys, blah, 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 blah. they understood. It's in tongues. All right. <laughs> Verse two: We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor, of love and steadfastness, of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. As I was reading, reading kind of this and listening to so many, um, so many people that I did not know and, you know and still don't know, so many churches who have seen us on the news and heard us in interviews before we left and while we were there and even as we came back, just some people are praying. And when you read a verse like that where it's talking about the church, the first century church, and how they would always pray for one another continually, you know, having it at the forefront of, you know, you know, their mind, the work that the Lord is doing through his people. Um, it's, it's so surreal to read passages like that now with a lot more depth and meaning, even when you hear it. You're not just reading it anymore. You're like, oh, I'm participating in this. I'm participating in this. And, um, and I know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what we've experienced and um, what, God, what God has done through your giving, through your prayers for the people who are in, uh, in a really wacky situation. Um, but uh, the one thing that, that just continues to like, connect my reading of the New Testament is also just how they would greet one another, you know, with a holy kiss. And I, com I come from a Slavic church, Slav church, they call them, Russian-Ukrainian, and, and they took that verse to heart. Like, they would kiss one another on the lips with brotherly slobber. <laughs> and, uh, and so we would always avoid those brotherly kisses. And some people like to linger a little longer than others. <laughs> but um, showing their affection. Um, but in the Old Testament, they would greet each other and send all these greetings that you read in the letters because they did not know if they were going to see that person again. You know, we kind of experienced that in Ukraine. You're, you're greeting people, you're, you're with them, and, and the thought, that super daunting, at least was very, very much more, you know, it was for me, was that you greet each other and then you say your goodbyes and you don't know if this is the last time you're saying it on this earth. And it's true across the board. Like we, we could all be with the Lord any, any day this week, but whenever that knowledge is super present, uh, it changes even how you read the New Testament. And so I was super encouraged and I'm thankful that we were able to go and, and experience what we experienced. And I'm thankful for what God is doing there. And I'm super excited to share with everyone else here 
And so we're just gonna go ahead and get started. But I wanted to kind of start off real fast to just thank you guys, everyone who's here, everyone who's watching. Thank you for financially supporting. Thank you for um, donating aid and humanitarian supplies. Thank you for your prayers. Um, we, we not only knew about the prayers, we also felt the prayers. Um, I mean, how many times on the trip we're like, oh, look what God did. Oh, look what God did. Oh, look what God did. How many times we had people saying, hey, I was praying for you guys in this moment. And we needed it in that moment. And um, I love that we have become so sensitive to the voice of the Lord that we have an opportunity to participate in his work in that way. Because um, now we are joining with your prayers for all the people who are there right now, who are serving, who are, you know, just helping, bringing hope to people. And so thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you and those who are here and those who are watching. There's not going to be any questions per se. Um, just kind of share what's on your heart. Sure. First of all, I know that we represent you because so many of you came forward and said you wanted to go with us. Um, and we feel that heart. And we transferred your support and your supplies. And were the hands and feet of Jesus as much as we were the hearts of this fellowship and people around Asheville. Yeah. Um, and it was an honor to go because you really did send us. Um, and you sent us well-equipped and we could do ministry in ways that honestly we've never been able to do. Um, but I wanna tell you why this trip was different. This is the 81st country I've shared the gospel in And it's the, it's the only one that I've ever left my heart in. Meaning I came home and was immediately ready to turn right back around. I can say on this team up here, the day we landed back, we were ready to turn around and go right back. Um, it was different in a lot of ways. I've served in war zones before. I've served in... Um, Afghanistan and in Africa and in places where security's definitely a risk. And so those things are on my mind. And so I just want to tell you how this is different than a regular missions trip. Regular missions trips, you check into your hotel or your church or your lodging and you figure out what floor you're sleeping on. Um, and you get into your pajamas and you get ready for an early morning start. This is identifying exits on the way out, understanding where blast glass is, being briefed about air raid sirens in the middle of the night, understanding that you may need to sleep with your clothes on because you have an exit outside that you've all agreed to meet at if there's an airstrike. It's about avoiding police stations and military outposts and making sure that where you are, you're constantly aware. It's a little bit different in that regard, but you feel safe the entire time until you don't. <laughs> right? Because when you look around the city, it's bustling with people who are moving around and it seems everything's normal until an air raid siren interrupts everything, the lights shut out where you are and you are immediately in evacuation again and again and again. And so you feel safe until you don't feel safe. But the reason why I think my heart connected so much was because I think I prepared myself 
all you can do is compare to your experience, right? So, oh, this will be like this, or this will be like this. But when we showed up, we saw people who were well-clothed because it was 20 degrees outside. They all had coats. And I thought, oh, I guess I was expecting people who were cold. They're donating coats. There's huge coat donation bins. Okay. And they're eating, and I'm thinking, okay. They're... I guess in my mind I had thought, okay, well, there's poverty here, and we're going to show up, and we're going to help and assist with that. And there is poverty there. But you guys, this was like ministering to us. War visited them, and I keep getting asked, what do you think about the Ukrainian spirit and the way that they fight? They fight because war came to them. They don't fight because they're so different than us. They fight because war interrupted their towns, their businesses, their jobs. The people that we served alongside were aquarium supplies people, IT department people. One guy owned an ice cream truck. None of that exists when war interrupts your everyday life. These business owners, these managers, these import-export car salesmen became convoy drivers and carpet trucks that used to haul tile and carpet became evacuation and humanitarian supply vehicles in convoys. They were us. We ministered to people just like us and that heart connection was immediately there because they were displaced. The job that I have right now in Asheville is indoor entertainment. I promise you if war visits Asheville, that's the first thing that doesn't exist. And so I had this heart connection with people that I sat across the table from eating because they were just like you and I. They were going about their lives and war completely interrupted it. And it's not just war with destruction of buildings, right? We see on the news smoldering buildings, remains. You know it's not about that. It's not about a burning car. Yeah, that stuff's scary to see. But the people have immediate trauma needs. So I'm trying to capture stories on video, and I'm like, hey, can you tell them to say and spell their name for the title screen at the bottom? And so Sergio will tell them, can you please say and spell your name? They don't do any of that. 20 minutes of trauma comes pouring out of them about how they wrapped their arms around their baby and prayed that their baby would be saved at the cost of their own life because the walls are shaking, the windows have exploded, and things are crumbling around them. There's rockets and bullets coming through the house. Can you say and spell your first and last name for me? Everything I saw in the rearview mirror was exploding as we left. We didn't know why we were leaving. We prayed and we fasted and we said, God, how can you get us out of here and when? And the answer was leave now immediately. And they left and an hour later that apartment complex was leveled. And those stories were all too common and we did capture them on video and we're really excited to show you guys not because we want to exploit any of the suffering over there, but because you need to see what we saw. And in some way, you can experience those stories when you hear them firsthand. And trauma therapy is about listening. And so we want you to listen to honor their stories and we want to share them in context. So that's why it's taking a little bit of time to put together a video. But I did want to share with you why my heart feels so connected over there. It's because we didn't go help people that were helpless with resources and things that they couldn't have. 
It's because the church, just like ours, pivoted to become a shelter. And how many people can we sleep on this floor? And how many people can you sleep at your house? And can you stay after and cook today? We have to feed 500 people at the train station downtown. Do you have any money to buy soup? I just felt so honored to, um, by you all, and especially by God, to go there. It's my homeland. and. Uh, and it's just so much, so much we could say. But just like what really touched my heart so deeply are uh, people over there, how united they are right now. People like accepting people 24 seven, feeding them come together, cook food, make food, make holupti, make pierogies, uh, any kind of whatever they could do, bake a bread, send over to the front line, send over to refugees people, wherever people stay. And it, they, they look so tired, so exhausted. Like we met so much pastor, they, they really exhausted, you just, you look at them and say, God, just give them your, your power. Uh, and because without God, they, they just they can't go on. So definitely we felt your prayer. It's like following us. It's like covering us. And so interesting that, um, that we kind of really don't even felt any fear or, or stuff like that. People asking, why? Why are you coming here? People going from leaving the country, flee the country, but you coming, why? And we just say that we just we want to help. And people shocked, they was crying because God loves cover all people. God so loved the world, so loved the world. And you see that the love in the eyes of the people and the, the, like one more thing I just like to um, mention, and it was touched my heart. How sometimes we so selfish. We was kind of thinking, oh, nobody called me, nobody talked to me, uh, that and that, and like small problem, we just exaggerated and, and think it's such a huge problem. But uh, like that mom tell us, she say like, the war, that's what the problem is. Other thing is not a problem at all. And it just, you, you just, I just can't imagine how mom with uh, like seven kids, three kids, four kids could like put everything together in five, 10, 15 minutes. What, what you could take with you? How you could do it, especially like mom with babies? It's, it's, it's just, my, my just mind can't, you know, comprehend all of this. But definitely people over there are so hurt, so disappointed, so, so much pain, and they really need somebody to, like, talk to them. Barely, it's not talking, just listen to them. Like, hug them, and let them feel that, uh, there's somebody with, with them. They're not just by themselves. And you, I just, I was looking at people and see how they are so like 
scared, like really like inside so much pain and they don't know what to think because while they're going, some country receive them like uh, refugees for some for a year, for two, for whatever, but, but after that they need to come back home. So I just, I just look at the people and see how much they, after they t uh, you know, talk to you and how, how they even, uh, the eyes was changing, they, like behavior is changing. They can sleep again. And it's so amazing how the God, God's hands was with us and work like through the whole the trip. We feel that, we see that. It's so amazing, so amazing. What really impressed me was, um, was the church. I think the church got together and, I mean, they went on, you know, let's go mode. Like, we got to take care of things. And they would bring food to, to the places where there's a lot of war going on. And, you know, um, they would band together. And, you know, as, like, Ukraine came together, which was really nice because it's a very divided country just like ours is. But the churches there also came together, which was really impressive. Um, I mean, they would, like Farron was saying, they would open up the church and, you know, as refugees would come in, they would have just like a, a building like this with beds and stuff on the, on the floors and they would feed them. And I mean, that was what really was like, wow. I mean, it was, it was, really, it was really nice to see it. And the people there, it was just, they don't work for money. This, it was, everything is done for free, seven days a week. The drivers there are just absolute rock stars. They would go into the hostile situations and get these families, get these parents, get these moms and kids and get them out of there and take them into Lviv or Ternopil. I mean, it, it's a dangerous job and it's a long job. It's 18 to 20, 24 hours a day. And so, and they have, you know, not only the Ukrainian military, there's, there's the, you got the threat of hostiles and one day you could be driving, like many have, just driving, doing what you've been doing for the past two weeks, and you get attacked. So, I mean, the church was what I really took back, and it was really, really awesome to see how they came together. Uh, we did not show up as heroes and save the day, and that's so important for you to know. We showed up and identified churches that were already extremely busy helping everybody and needed more resources and more manpower. And we came alongside them with the resources that you sent with us. And so don't get it wrong. The heroes were already working so hard and we came alongside them. And so when we arrived, we would identify which shelters we needed to stay at and help out and leave money with and sponsor and leave supplies with, and which medicines, and which bandages, and which military uh, tourniquets we needed to leave at this location or that location. Um, we have the honor of joining drivers who go out five to seven days a week on 22-hour missions, almost 10 hours each direction, into all the terrible places you see on the news, right to the front lines to evacuate women and children and then drive back on these massive 22-hour missions where you spend less than 45 minutes in the hot zone where there's bombs going off and you can feel them and you can hear them and they're close and you know not safe it's not safe to be here and we would load up these vehicles after bringing in thousands of pounds of food and supplies and we would unload those and then we would load women and children 
and their dogs and cats and whatever they could carry, normally two pretty small bags of their life that they're gonna start over somewhere else and then we would drive them eight to 10 hours back to Chernobyl, a city that wasn't under constant threat. Um, and that was an honor to be a part of, but it was already happening and the logistics that we supported there and the efforts that we supported there continue on and that's amazing. Uh, we were able to deliver a vehicle in a very timely way when another vehicle went out. And so uh, God just continues to move things. And, and that's probably the one thing that I want to share. Crossing into uh, the, the whole vehicle thing. There are no extra vehicles in Ukraine. They're all being used to help people, all of them. And so we got a van out of Germany somehow and brought it down. It still had German plates on it. And we crossed the border in about 45 minutes with Yuri's adorable face sweet-talking them <laughs> at the border. It works. And so Yuri got us through by the grace of God. And then every checkpoint, 20 miles on the road, you're stopped by the military. They want to see your passports and ask you questions about why you're there and who you are. And we passed through all of those every day with no issues. And God saw it through. And when we would show up at a ministry center and do that, we would hear stories about, well, uh, we have a van that's been stuck at the border for 12 hours. 12 hours, and we got 45 minutes. And I was like, well, they didn't have adorable Yuri at the wheel. That might be the issue. <laughs> but the reality is God just saw every detail through. I don't know if you've ever gone through customs, but normally they skim your stuff and take what they like, and you get what you get when you arrive, there was no customs. We arrived in Poland and walked past it and out the door onto the curb to a van waiting for us in four minutes without being asked a question. In fact, they didn't stamp our passports at the airport. That's not possible. For those of you that have traveled internationally, there's a big long line and they go through all your stuff and they ask you questions. Actually coming home, we were at, well, again, not Yuri in his adorable face. He and Mama went right through. The CIA pulled Sergio and I aside and asked us a million questions. And what are you doing? And who are you with? And what's your address? And we were like, what's going on? Um, again, just I need to trade faces with Yuri. But God continued to just clear the way for us every single day. Uh, but that van and the opportunity to join people that were already doing things, I guess that's the main thing. We didn't show up to save the day. We showed up to support churches and grassroots organizations that literally have pivoted in one. When we were there, the week the word been going for two weeks. It would be exactly like what this church would do if we had a war in two weeks. What, how positioned would we be if all of you had no jobs and you just showed up and you were like, we're ready to help. That's what it was like. Well, where are you getting your money now? Doesn't matter. I'm at the church for 18 hours a day helping people. The van situation, I, I just heard about this yesterday because we're working out some details with vehicles because that's a, that's a big need um, with the corruption and the ability to um, get things across the border is, is much more difficult we didn't know this, and I just found out, and I even tell these people, but this van that picked us up and that we took across the border with zilch issues, in the previous attempt, 
they wouldn't let this man go into Ukraine. <laughs> that's why he was left there. And that's the man that picked us up, and they're like, well, let's give these Americans a shot. <laughs> they just forgot maybe that God was like, yeah, go for it. And it was so quick. So I, you know, knowing that the, the vehicle issue is a big issue there, but then also knowing that this particular vehicle was, was problematic and it was rejected from coming into Ukraine that we just drove in smoothly it was so God. We were just, we, we, our, our consistent reaction was like, wow, look what God did. Wow, like the, the whole time, every little thing, we're like, okay, well, what do we need? Let's pray for it. Boom, God shows up. Wow, we needed no hotels. There were no available hotels at all uh, because people are staying there fleeing from their house. So you're looking at people staying there for two, three weeks and on, and you have kids in a hotel just everywhere. Toys, crying, make a lot of you guys really uncomfortable and be like, eh, I'm just gonna yelp them a little bit. and. Give him, give him my two cents about the kids here. But everything was slammed. And, and so we went to one hotel in Ternopil, and it's like, oh, nothing. Mom's like, please, you know. And she's like, I can't do nothing about it. It's booked. It's slammed. So we're like driving into the, uh, to this next one. And we're like, okay, let's pray that we have four rooms. Drove into this, whole, to this other hotel. Boom, there are four rooms. But then I come to the van and say, oh, there's nothing. And they were so deflated because this was like, this was so abnormal. Like, we prayed. And no, are you sure? Then I told them, yeah, we got four rooms. And it was just like, <laughs> so this pattern, <laughs> this pattern was a continual. When God come along with us, he walked through us. So one, one uh, situation stand up when I uh, go to, to that place where they are uh, receiving refugees. Uh, boy was, boy left to the Kiev. I was stayed there. They didn't want for me to go with them, so. I really want to. This is mom. She's like, uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to Kiev. And we're like, yeah, we are. She goes, well, I'm going too. Yuri's like, it's too dangerous for you. She goes, then why are you going? <laughs> we're like, no, mom, you're not going. We, what's the thing that parents say? Just because I said so. So I remember I, I come in like in the morning. It's a little bit later in the morning. And I step into the, to the kitchen and, as, as, you know, just greet everybody and say, so gross, what I could do for you? How can I help? And the lady look at me and she say, oh, you're already doing it with your smile. You're already doing it. So <laughs> I was just, I, I just saw the girl, she's cleaning a building and I say, let me do it. She said, no, I need to have some, Something to do, I say, well, I, I want to, I want to just help, whatever, doesn't matter. Well, you're from America, you want to just come here and clean? I say, well, it doesn't matter, you know, we all got children, doesn't really matter. And the only thing where I just um, really, really see God's hand and how God uh, healing the hearts through us, you know, like, it's amazing. And you just think about it, you know, like, God healing a person. And I was like a like witness the next morning. Uh, that that lady was so much different. She said, I could sleep. I was sleep like a baby. So you see that that lady go to like new people who who comes and just God working power, healing power, go through her and, and help another 
person. And it's so amazing, so amazing. Yeah, I got to brag on my mom a little bit. She was a rock star at the place that we were staying at. <laughs> it took us like an hour to leave because nobody wanted to let her go. She was just talking to everybody and she, it was really awesome. Um, What's interesting, just to add to that, uh, um, there, there are people who could not like hug their moms, and so she became like a surrogate mother for them. And I think it's really cool because it's, it's, not, it's not her. Like, when you say, God, use me, you show up and you're like, God, how? God's like, right now with your smile, right now with cleaning the toilets, Right now with just going with the person, right now with just listening, right now with praying for them, right now give them finances, give them medical thing. And so it's the best position to be. It's like, God, what do you want me to do right now here? And every place is different. And so it's, it's weird for us to even share about what we've, you know, quote unquote done. Um, but it, the vision for a church really just, you know, has legs. It's like God through us in every sense of the world. Uh, the word God through us, like God through our church, God through us over there. So, yeah, I think uh, one story that stood out to me was um, when we came to Kiev and we came, we loaded up our vans, and what they did was they split us all up to separate vehicles. So I went into one van, Sergio went to another, and Farron went to another. And in my van, I had I told the story already before, but I, in my van, I had these um, these two sweet ladies, and they were very like uh, very uh, uncomfortable as it was. I mean, they're going with people that they don't know, and um, as soon as they came into the van, they had a couple of bags with them, and the bags were full of cats. It was like three cats, and that's all they wanted to bring. Very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. <laughs> Luckily, I have a cat, so I can sympathize a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we should have put Farron in there. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more. But they were so uh, disturbed and because uh, their life just got ripped apart. Like, they got ripped from them. Um, they were in their basement for several weeks before, we, before they came to Kiev, and we ended up picking them up. Um, and they came into the van, and I was just like, hey, how's everybody doing? And, you know, try to lighten it up. And it's like what Pharaoh was saying, could you say your name? And, yeah, that's not going to happen. It was just this volley of, this is what happened to me. These buildings were blowing up, and we had to run in the basement, and my neighbor and his neighbor, and they tell everybody else's story as well. And so, um, yeah, I listened for hours and hours. But after they get done, there's something that happens. It's like they kind of feel like they unloaded something on you, and they unloaded something, and, you know, you sit there and you pray with them a bit. And, you know, I... I started making fun of the cat just so we can have a little bit of uh, humor in the car because they were just so, so, um, so hurt by this whole situation. But that's where I, I saw God in, um, in that van big time and just how, you know, how the church was working unitedly, which was really awesome too, those two things. Um, I just want to reiterate how your funds were spent because so many of you put forward money. The kids in this church sold toys and you... That's awesome. I asked over there, what if you only have $5? What can you do with $5? And the fund that this church has set up, 100% of it goes towards the work there. It did not pay for our trips, our plane tickets, the cost of lodging, the fuel costs, the transportation. 
That was covered by other very generous people outside of this main fund. So when you give $5, 500 cents of that goes straight to feeding people and fueling a vehicle that literally saves lives and pulls people out of the war zone. So when you think, well, how can I give or what can I give or I don't have that much, $5 actually makes a difference because they're not buying a packaged meal or going to McDonald's or giving somebody one small Starbucks drink for $5. They're making borscht in huge pots. That's soup, by the way. Yeah. I learned so much. Did you guys know Ukrainians drink coffee every 30 minutes? Yeah. Our cafe is about to do, have a little bit of an upgrade. Did you know that our coffee here is so watered down compared to their coffee? <laughs> After an hour would go by, it's like 10.30 at night, and Mama's like, coffee with milk? It puts her to sleep. <laughs> I definitely want to be a Ukrainian. <laughs> but I wanted to tell you guys that your giving goes 100% of it. And the reason why that is, is I think we've all been burned, right? You've given money to somebody and you saw the new truck they drove. And there's something in your stomach that goes, well, I didn't think it was, thought it was putting food in the mouths of widows. But you added on a new wing at your house. There's something, that, and I'm not saying, look, I'm not judging other nonprofits or churches or how they do things. I'm saying, haven't we all been burned before where you've given your money and thought it was going to something and then you found out later it just, it didn't? 100% of what you give when you visit avlcitycenter.com and you see that Ukrainian fund doesn't go towards hotels or or gas money for us, or transportation, or plane tickets. 100% of it goes straight into the mouths and the hearts of the Ukrainian people. And these are Ukrainian refugees, and I made sure it didn't go to these Ukrainian refugees. <laughs> okay? No, right? You're like, yeah, it goes to Ukrainian refugees. Not these three. <laughs> so that's something I want to tell you. It's pretty hard to, to understand. But you can trust us because we went over and we identified people who were churches that were already doing all the work and they needed more beds and more food. And we were able to visit them and see their operations and meet the old ladies in the kitchen cooking the soup and give them thousands of dollars, thousands, because you gave it. And then we would go to the next place and thousands of dollars went out. And then there was this thing in our heart that I just have to share that when you're doing ministry, right, you're not just showing up and supporting other ministries, but when you, you know this, you know this, you don't go across the world to help somebody if you can't go across the street here, right? Why would you go all the way to Ukraine if you've got people right here in this church building that need help? Do you know, you know this? So when we would go out to eat, God would just lay on your hearts. You need to bless these people. And we'd be like, the waitress? And then, no, all of these people. So we're at a restaurant, and then we're like, we need to meet all of your kitchen staff, your dishwashers, your line cooks, everybody. And they're like, these are the weirdest Americans ever. 
And we would go down there and we would pray for them. But what, how hollow is prayer in a war zone if it's hope without help? And so we would give money to these people that we just met and we would pray for them. And that's when tears would come out of them because they're going to work to keep their sanity in a war zone, in a restaurant, to get their mind off of things. And you just provided for their family's exit. Things like that kept happening and God kept putting us in the face of waiters and line cooks and people. And it was never a coincidence. It was like, we would turn to each other and we'd be like, do we bless the people here? Yeah, well, they're gonna have to pull the people out of the back. And then you'd meet them and this is so crazy. Like half of them are named Sergio and half of them are named Masha, right? And then the other half, I don't know why there's three halves, but they're also Yuri, okay? And so when we would bless people, we'd be like, what's your name, sir? He's like, Yuri, I'm so tired. I'm like, you, you look tired. What did you do before this? I'm a professor physician at a massive university. I've written papers that are published. I've been to Chicago and spoken at medical conventions. What are you doing now? There's no money in what you're doing now. Oh, this is my church. Of course I would do this. I'm here 24 hours a day. I sleep on the floor over there. I do want to just give an opportunity for people who may not know Jesus. Um, you know, Farron said, you know, um, praying for people without tangible helping people, it becomes deficient. But also helping people without praying for them is also deficient. And, you know, whatever happens on earth, whatever circumstances, situations we, you know, we are front confronted with on earth, it makes no sense for us to do it and live it out by ourselves. And so God's hand is extended to each and every person, whether your faith is, you know, you've been in faith for a long time, but maybe you've slipped, maybe you've forgotten your first love and got carried away with the things of this world, maybe not bad things, but just your, your focus and your purpose in life, maybe it has slipped from it being about your creator. This is a great moment to, um, to revisit that and, and, and say, God, I veered off path. Something happened to me or I've done something or someone has done something to me and now maybe you're mad at him. Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe you're just hurt. Maybe you don't understand. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you're not as far ahead in life as you thought you would be. Maybe there's just too many disappointments. Maybe you're just bombarded with, with being a parent or being a spouse or maybe at work. You know, I know in comparison to war, those are no big things. But God is not just about fixing big world problems. He is about fixing each person here, no matter how small or big your need is. God does not oversee the small things and he's given us opportunity to just present ourselves, present our burdens, unload our burdens at his feet. And so I don't want to end this service without giving us an opportunity to offload, to, to leave our burdens at the cross. And so as the band is kind of getting ready, we, we will do another song. But during this moment, I want us to just get with God. We're going to release our ministry team. They're going to be in the back. We have a cross there. It's lit up. We have a prayer wall where people are writing, you know, prayer requests, the things that they're believing God for, where they're writing people's names that they're believing for 
God to rescue and to save them. And there's also praise reports, the things that God has done and in ways that God has shown up. So the, all of that is in the back where the cross is. And you can also give there as well. We have a give box there. But, but for right now, we have a, we'll, our ministry team is going to be back there. And sometimes you just need to sit with someone that can sit with you, that can believe with you. And it could be for you. It could be that you just need words of encouragement from God. They're there for that. Maybe you have lost vision. They can help you with that. Maybe you just need someone to agree with you. Maybe it's not even for you. Maybe it's for your spouse or for your family or your coworkers. That's what they're there for. So I would encourage you, I would encourage each one of you just to make your way to the back. Um, be ministered to. It's, it's more than just someone praying for you. It's someone who can speak life into your situation, agree with you. And God wants to touch you. God wants to rekindle what you've had with him. And so this moment is for that, just to, for you to get with God and just be like, God, this is where I am. And trust me, he knows it. We just need that push within ourselves to get honest with where we are. He doesn't need a reminder, we do. And so this is a great opportunity. And so as we just sit here with God, just go with him, go at it with him. And then there's another group of people too that, that you may not even know who this God is. And maybe this whole thing in Ukraine has moved you. And, and maybe you're wanting to help and we're thankful and grateful for that. But more important than that, God wants your heart. God has sent Jesus to confront sin and evil and rescue his people un from under the judgment of all this. And he wants to rescue you. He's the only one that died for you that is able to pull you out. And so I want to give you an opportunity this morning to lay your life down Surrender your life, surrender your successes, surrender your failures, surrender your family, and just say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this on my own and I need you. Maybe the Holy Spirit right now is convicting you of how sinful you really are. God wants to take that from you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to replace that guilt and shame with peace and joy and love. He wants to take death and replace it with, with life. He wants to take your depression and your anxiety and instill a hope for the future. He sees you right wherever you are, whether you're here or whether you're watching. And so, as God is working on those who already know him and have veered off path, and for those of you who are wanting to step into faith for the first time, just repeat this prayer after me. We say this all the time, it's not the magic words, it's the posture of our heart. It's the condition that we can say, God is doing something in my heart, and this is how I can express and invite him in and surrender my life to him. And so it's a, just repeat this prayer, and after this prayer, let us know so we can celebrate with you and we can help to walk with you, you know, with, you, with your next step. And so just say, Father, thank you for loving me. Forgive me of my sin. 
I'm broken in so many ways. I give my brokenness to you. I give my sin to you. I give you my past, my present, and my future. Wash me clean. Make me right with you. I give you my life. Take me as I am. I believe that Jesus died for me and that he resurrected for me and that only he can save me. And so Jesus, be my savior. And I thank you that this moment I have become yours. In Jesus' name.